0: Pastor Xavier Reese with straight talk about true love. The act of confronting is the most loving thing that a person can do, yet
1: it is so often interpreted as a lack of love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. When one lost sheep is found, there's joy in heaven. Luke 15, 3 through 7 tells us. How much more down here?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture clearly tells us the wages of sin is debt, but the world tells us to mind our own business. Well then, what do you do about confronting another about sin? How can we be truly loving and make a stance against sin at the same time? Today, Pastor Xavier helps answer those important questions as he takes us to the book of 2 Corinthians as he begins today's Simple Truths. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 23 down to chapter
1: 2 verse 4. And the message is entitled, Painful Love Can Be Misunderstood. When people are confronted with their sin, often they think they are being judged wrongly. Such was the case with Paul as the false teachers had slandered him falsely, accusing him regarding his ministry to the Corinthians. They were slandering him, badmouthing him. Verse 23, Paul the apostle called God to examine the truthfulness of his words to the Corinthians because they're fickle children, they're carnal. He was thinking of them, giving them time to consider their carnal state. Certainly they had offended him. Certainly he was hurt. But he wasn't moved by that hurt or by the words. He abstained from going to Corinth hoping for repentance on their part. That's the goal. He was not attempting to tell them his personal views on what they were to believe, what they were not to believe. But he was teaching scripture and their obedience to those commands. Often people get their feathers flustered because the pulpit is very direct. Listen, you have the same Bible I do. Are you a Christian? Your obedience is to Christ, His Word, not me. Now notice, secondly, Paul determined to not grieve any further the Corinthians. The apostle had gone, in verse 1 here, to them a second time, and it had been in great sorrow. Listen to his words. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow, Paul had first been there at the founding of the church in Acts 18, 9 through 11. In fact, remember, Jesus appeared to him. In verse 9 of Acts 18, now the Lord spoke to Paul by night in a vision. Uh, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. In verse 10, Jesus assured him, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And then in 11, Paul obeyed, and he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. God was directing and guiding Paul. Paul wanted to get out of Corinth. It was probably like Vegas today. He wanted to get out of there. And God appeared to him. The Lord appeared to him and encouraged him. That was his first coming. Paul had made a second visit sometime between the writing of 1 Corinthians and second letter here, 2 Corinthians. The result was that it brought great sorrow to the Corinthians. Now, Remember, he has already written that letter by the report of Chloe's house. The second visit is not recorded in the book of Acts. Only that he departed from Ephesus, if you remember, after the riot. And he left the Macedonia and he spent three months in Greece. Acts 20, verse 1 through 3. Now he has just defended his change of plans of not coming to them in chapter 1, verse 15 and 18. So there was a second visit that we don't have recorded. Now notice Paul had made a judgment based on all that had taken place. In view of the first corrective letter, in view of the second visit after the corrective letter, he's assessing all these things and he comes to a conclusion. no. I, I'm not going. It's not the right time. Wisdom from God that we say, Lord, should I, should I not? Now or not? So critical. Where if I make my own decisions, I can just make things worse. I need the wisdom of God for the timing. So important. The apostle saw the potential effect of his visit. As they were pained by the stern attitude with him by their lack of repentance and their carnal condition he made the decision not to return and to cause them any more unnecessary pain affirm by the phrase spare them to spare you by not coming the third time right away chapter 1 verse 23 not right now Notice Paul instead had been waiting to find out the response of the Corinthians from Titus. He was to meet Titus at Troas. Remember, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 tells us, but he did not show. Ultimately, they would meet at Macedonia. Paul, though exhausted, fearful, and having conflicts from within and from without, was comforted at the good news of Titus about their mourning and their zeal for Paul when they did meet in Macedonia, chapter 7, verse 5 through 7 tells us. Paul was concerned. He had them in mind. And all of a sudden, here comes the good news and everything changed. Can you identify as a parent? You're looking for that repentance. You're looking for that change of attitude. You're looking for that correction to be accepted because you have the good of the child in mind. Not you. Paul was ready now to come for the third time with joy as well as to discipline those who were sinning. And he tells them that in chapter 12, verse 14, and chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 2, the apostle Paul pointed out to the Corinthians his awkward situation. Paul admitted that he was the one who had made them sorrowful. For if I make you sorrowful, They had been thrown into sorrow it made them feel uneasy with his presence, being offended. Those tense times are not that comfortable, but they are so necessary. The discomfort was of their spiritual father to his spiritual children. His actions were due to their sinful conditioning confronting them to turn. Because Paul knew that one Christian will affect another. And that affects the church. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Remember he spoke about that in the first epistle. Their pride had made a greater drift. Their carnality blinded them even greater. Notice Paul indicated that the ones who made him glad were the same ones who were making him sorrowful the Corinthians. Then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? Paul was in effect declaring he came to the conclusion that to come down heavy on them anymore would not do any good and perhaps more harm. There's the wisdom that we need. You don't shirk it. You don't run away from it. But you ask God for wisdom, how do I handle it? He had to entrust them to Jesus and his word. He had to trust the conviction of the Holy Spirit to deal with them. Necessary. The goal is always to see the good of the individual. Always. Not just to make them squirm. He was willing to suffer the loss of their present fellowship for a time. He was hoping for a loving reconciliation. Reconciliation. Sin destroys relationships between people, especially in married relationships. If you're married, you know what sin can do. It's not nice. Sin destroys fellowship between God and man. Sin is not static, but progressive. It only gets worse if there's no repentance. In Ecclesiastes 5 6, listen to the words. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Those that God loves, He chastens and disciplines. If people in the church do not repent and obey the word of God, then we are to have no fellowship with them. Some people consider this extreme, the Bible considers this normal. <laughs> You see, a different gospel is being preached. We must make a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11, he made this distinction very clear to them. In 5, nine, he says, I wrote to you in, in my epistle not to keep company with sexual and moral people. Now, this epistle is a previous letter before the 1 Corinthians, which we don't have. Okay. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous extortioners, idolaters, since then you would have need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone um, named a brother who's a sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or reviler or drunk or extortioner, not even to eat with that person. And then he goes on to say, for what do we have to do to judge the people in the world? God will judge them, but we have the responsibility to judge each other. So there are Christians who will get off in sexual sin or whatever it may be, and we have to confront. We have to deal with it. You can't just turn your back and close your eyes. But God will judge those in the world. We don't judge the world. But those that say they're Christians, if you say you're a Christian, we're in the same family. We have the same Father. We have the same standard. We have the same Holy Spirit. We should be in agreement about what's written in this book. We're not to count them as enemies. If we cut fellowship, we pray for them. 2 Thessalonians three eleven through 15. Now, the purpose for discipline is for restoration that results in joy, not mere castigation. That's important. Paul went to the extremes of commanding that that young man sleeping with his stepmother in 1 Corinthians 5, 5 be excommunicated from the church. Even to the extent of handing them over to Satan. For the destruction of his flesh, the spirit may be saved. This is not extreme. This is normal. Nobody teaches it though today in the church. Because of our political correctness, our permissive society. And the threats by the bully laws in our nation. It's going to get worse. In fact, Paul, in the next section here, chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, will deal with this man who had repented, and now they were refusing to let him back in. So here he is sleeping with his stepmother. They're embracing him, hugging him, thinking he's okay. Paul says, kick him out. Now he's repented. They don't want to let him in. Sheesh. The believer in the church cannot be indifferent to sin for those of the family of God. At times, believers are never confronted for their sin by their own family members. That's bad enough. Other times, believers are not confronted by their friends if they're single. And their fellowship is just in activities. And they, they, you know, and they fall into this worldly thing. Well, I can't judge it. No, you can. You can hold each other accountable. <laughs> At other times, the church fails to confront. God help the pastors who don't deal with sin from the pulpit. Who don't speak about Matthew 18. Who do not exercise it. That's why the church is as messed up as it is because pastors do not teach the word of God. They don't teach about sin, repentance, and the gospel. I'm to be willing. You understand? That others may fear. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. 2 Timothy 4.2. This is normal. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them. I mean, talking about the Cretans. Sharply rebuke them. They may be, that they may be sound in the faith, Titus one thirteen. This is what the pulpit is for. This is his, the church of Jesus Christ. This is not a club. This is not a, a good old boys club or anything else. This is, this is a church. We're here for the sake of the lost, to show them an example of what Christ can do in us, the hope of glory. Paul determined not to grieve any further, the Corinthians, out of love. Then notice lastly, 3 and 4, Paul determined to wait for response to his letter from the Corinthians. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul had expressed this in a letter. Listen to his words. And I wrote this very thing to you. The letter has to refer to 1 Corinthians that we possess. It rebuked them sharply, as you know, for their party divisions, teachers, for their worldly wisdom and their pride. For sexual sin, idolatry, marital relationships, single relationships, um, the gifts of the Spirit, and denying the resurrection, and many other things. There are those who declare that Paul is referring to a lost letter called the severe letter that made the Corinthians sorry, written sometime after the second visit or even sent with Titus. The only problem with this hypothesis is there is no basis for it except for human opinion. There is no manuscript evidence. There is no evidence of the church fathers. The apostle Paul notice, had expressed in 1 Corinthians his reluctance to go to them and to grieve them even more. Listen to his words. Lest when I came I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy. So Paul is expressing and experiencing here the present sorrow having gone to them. After the first letter, as well as the condition of the Corinthians here, the house of Chloe sent him the letter. He, he responded. They were upset. They were grieved. He visited them. Didn't go well. Paul recognized the Corinthians should have been his source of joy, notice, rather than sorrow. Those from whom I ought to have joy. They had come to Christ through his ministry. They had seen his dedication and love for them. He had been their pastor for 18 months. Paul declared to the Corinthians his sure hope notice in them when he wrote that they would conclude that he really cared for them. He gave them the benefit of the doubt. Listen to his words. Having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. Confidence means his belief and persuasion. The word is used of Confidence in the Lord in 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. He was giving them the benefit of the doubt. As carnal as they were, as offensive as they had been, he was hoping out for the best. The light's going to come on. This confidence was that they would come to understand that he only wanted the best for them as their spiritual father. What a joy that is when a father or a mother have to deal with the child and And there's abstinence and there's this and that. And all of a sudden when it's resolved or the light goes on and what a joy that is. What a peace. What a resolution. You get over that hump. The joy of Paul was to see the Corinthians full of joy in Christ. Notice. Enjoying life in Christ in each other. So if they were walking with Christ, that was his joy. And he wanted to know that was his joy. They were his joy. What greater joy is there for a parent to make sure a son and daughter are 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 walking with God and they're they're seeking the Lord and they're doing good and they don't have to worry about them being in the world and all messed up and everything. What a joy! What a peace! Look at verse four. The Apostle Paul expressed the emotional pain that he uh, he went through in waiting for the letter because he's waiting. He's anxious. Paul described the vivid pain, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears. He said, out of much affliction, again, there's that word, affliction, depressed to together, distress, pressure, crushing of a grape, of an olive. The words translate tribulation and trouble as we saw in chapter 1, verse 4. Then he said, out of much anguish of heart. The anguish means... Holding together a narrowing, a restricting of a way. He was running out of choices, out of time. He's just being more restricted. The boiling point, the pressure. Paul was anxious and distressed under this condition. As they refused to recognize the extent of their sin in the church and how they might respond to his letter. He was waiting to hear. That's why he was to meet Titus and trust, but he didn't show up. Finally met him in Macedonia. Paul declared the purpose in writing the letter. Notice, he said it was not to bring them pain, not that you should be grieved. The primary reason, as we have stated, was to confront them as to their sin, that they might repent. The outcome resulted in making them sorrowful to cause sadness, and to be offended, as he said in chapter 2, verse 2. But notice he said it was to reveal his incredible love for them. Though it wasn't seen or interpreted as that. And that's, that's the chance that we take when we're faithfully obedient to God. But that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. The word here, love is agape, love as you know, divine love, family love, this faithful always. You, can't not, you cannot make your decision based on emotions or feelings or circumstances or favoritism. You must make them based on the Word of God, your faithfulness to God. Love does not intend to shame a person, but to warn and protect them. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Love is evident by physical correction and verbal reproof. In 1 Corinthians 4.21, it says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and spirit of gentleness? Which one? Both are an expression of love. Love is the motive of Paul's heart. It's unmistakable throughout the letter. When you get to chapter 11, verse 11, he says, why? Because I do not love you, God knows. In other words, I do love you. Chapter 12, verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Ooh, that's for pastors. That's for parents. Because we as people are bad news. His love was abundant for them, but right now they didn't understand it. The responsibility to confront sin does not mark the most happy times of our Christians' experiences, but rather some of the most painful. Having responsibility to that individual. But we take the chance on losing that friendship. But those are the choices we make. Titus 2.15 says, Speak these things, exhort rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. The confrontation is done in confidence that the response will be positive for restoration. In order to experience joy, anybody who confronts simply to make people miserable or castigate them is, is completely unscriptural and it's the wrong attitude. When one lost sheep is found, there's joy in heaven, Luke fifteen three 3-7 tells us. How much more down here. The act of confronting is the most loving thing that a person can do, yet it is so often interpreted as a lack of love. Though certainly that can be the case, it should not be. And it often isn't. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. If you're a Christian and you're hanging out with people that are never confronting you with sin, they're not your friends. Get some real friends. They'll tell you what a jerk you are. They'll call you out on the carpet. Those are your friends. You will grow to value them if you turn. Very, very important. Paul determined the way for a response to his letter from the Corinthians out of love what an amazing man incredible Paul has explained the reason for not coming to Corinth it was because he loved them evident of these three things Paul determined not to confront the Corinthians out of love Paul determined not to grieve any further Corinthians out of love And Paul determined to wait for the response to his letter from the Corinthians out of love he stood his ground in obedience to God and love for his children. How much more we
0: towards each other. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about how to confront someone in love. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study called Painful Love Can Be Misunderstood. It's available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this will include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is Painful Love Can Be Misunderstood. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths 2200 East Colorado Boulevard Pasadena, California 91107 Or to make your request by phone Call 800-926-1485 Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more from 2 Corinthians by describing three marks of a true minister. Important Simple Truths for all God's saints. Hope you'll be back then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com